It takes a village to raise a child. We all know that, right? But what happens if you can't find your village? Because raising your child is really, really tough. What if you are so filled with shame and doubt and guilt and fear of judgment that you don't share your triumphs and your struggles? You don't talk about it because you don't think anyone can possibly relate. Well, I've been there, and it was really hard for me to find my tribe. So I decided to make mine. I went out and found these amazing mothers who are also in the trenches, struggling to raise their kids. Together, we are a community. And in this podcast on the hard days, you'll find motivating stories from other real moms who get it. We're going to accept who we are and how we show up for our children each and every day, even on the hard days. Hey guys, before we dive into today's episode, I just wanted to take a minute to thank you for your ongoing support. I started this podcast back in January of 2021 and had no idea that I would find my people so soon. That was my hope, of course, but I never imagined it to be quite like this. There are so many mothers that I have been speaking to, sometimes multiple mothers a day, who are really looking for the same thing, which is community and support and understanding. And a lot of times mothers will say, I wish I had a mom nearby me, you know, who understood what I was going through. And oftentimes I find a mother and I'm like, wow. You sound just like this other mother. You guys really need to connect. And I would love to keep you all informed of each other so that you can locate each other and and get to know each other. And the support is not just about me. It's a community and we're in it together. And one of the ways to do that, it sounds silly, but it's to have your email. And the reason why is this. First of all, if Facebook and Instagram were ever to go down, which has happened before, thankfully it doesn't happen often, but if it was to go down in a permanent way, I would absolutely lose all of you. I mean, we'd have the podcast, sure, but I mean, even that could go down. I don't know, you never know. Email seems the least likely to go down, and it's the one place that I could have all of my people in one spot. Now, what I'm asking for today is your email address, and I promise I won't spam you. I'm not selling anything, at least not yet, And I just want to make sure I have a way to reach you if anything should go wrong. With your email address, here's my plan, just to be completely transparent so you know what to expect. I'm looking to send out a weekly newsletter. Weekly. Just weekly. You won't get any more emails besides that one a week. And in this weekly newsletter, I'll have a link to the latest podcast episode, any news and announcements and that sort of thing. But I also want to start a new feature called Mom of the Week. And that mother would be you guys. I'm not necessarily talking about the guests of my podcast, although absolutely they can be featured as well. But no, I mean you, the listener. A mom of the week who would have to, ahead of time, give me a little picture and a little bio and um, some things about yourself, but you'd also have ways for each other to reach you. You know, you someone could email you, someone could reach you on social media and go, oh my gosh, I, I live in the next state over, like, let's talk or whatever. That's the kind of support that I want to start. You know, not only me supporting you and you supporting me, 
but you supporting each other. And so I'd like to start this feature, Mom of the Week, in a newsletter. But the only way to get that newsletter to you is through your email. So I'm asking today for your email address. And I, I do have some already, but if you haven't already given it to me, I would love it if you would. What you need to do is go to my website on theharddays.com and within about five seconds of being on that page, a pop-up box will come and it will ask for your email and you can put it in there. But you also can scroll to the bottom of the page and there is um, a little box to put your email in there as well. And when you send me your email address, you will receive an introductory newsletter that I made a few months ago. And if you don't get it in your email within like, I would say five to 10 minutes after giving me your address, check your spam because it's probably in there. And this introductory newsletter just kind of gives a little background and a thank you for your email address. But then next week, you would start getting that weekly newsletter featuring a mom of the week. Please head on over to my website, send me your email address, and in return, I'll start sending you the newsletter that will feature a mom of the week. If you can think of anything you'd like, if there's something that you wish would come into your email from me, please DM me or email me and let me know what that is. I, I wanna take suggestions, I want your opinion. If you like the idea of a newsletter, is there anything you'd really wanna make sure I feature on it? You know, Give me your thoughts on the email process in general. Thank you so much for your continued support of this thing called podcasting that I never knew I was going to like this much, but it's because of you. I could talk to myself all day, but I already know what's going on in my own life. Sharing the stories with you brings me so much joy, and I just want to thank you again for everything. Now, on to the episode. Welcome back. I am here with Meredith Fredman, and she is a dynamite human. She has so much knowledge to share. We had a really excellent conversation about the realities of motherhood and the expectations that mothers face. She is also an author, and she's going to talk about her book as well. And so, Meredith, I just want to first of all welcome you to On the Hard Days, and thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to get started. Tell us about you. Tell us your story. Start at the beginning. <laughs> we can't wait to hear it. So I, like you said, I'm Meredith Redman. I am mom to two kiddos, Ben, who just turned five and Avery, who is three and a half. And I was a pediatric ICU nurse for about seven years before my son was born. My husband is an ER doctor, so we couldn't make the schedules both work. And I was kind of feeling a little burnt out from work and decided to stay home when Ben was born about five years ago. As much as I loved staying home and the privilege to be able to do it, I missed having something that I felt I was really good at. I thought it was going to be motherhood. And it turns out that that's a little harder to just wing and excel at than I, my preconceived expectations. So I started writing. I started writing for the city mom's blog network. There's one in a lot of different cities and then started my own blog, which is motherhood by Meredith. And then kind of grew from there during the pandemic. I really wanted a project We were, as everybody knows, we were stuck at home in a whole different reality. So I had been toying with the idea of writing a book for a while. And then, um, the opportunity presented itself to do this writing class through Georgetown university. And then they have a relationship with a publisher. If you meet their criteria for the, or for the manuscript that you write. And so I was able to do that, um, this last, it was like the fall semester 
and then got a publishing deal. So my book should be out in August, probably deliverable in September through like Amazon and Barnes and Noble. So yeah. You want to tell us about your book before we back up? Oh, sure. We can do that. Um, so my book is called Dear Jesus, Send Coffee, Finding Joy in the Chaos of Early Motherhood. Um, and it really is supposed to be a fresh take on parenting books because I read them all when I was pregnant with my son, thinking that, you know, I was I was going to go into this with eyes wide open and I was going to be great at it. And what I found is that all the books said different things. <laughs> and most of them were not really very achievable once I actually was holding a child, at least I wasn't living up to the perfection standards that I had set for myself. And I don't know why I didn't think about the fact that it was going to be like an actual human with a new personality. <laughs> and not just You would think that these things would have occurred to me. So my book in three sections, the first one talks about common um, expectations and realities that new mothers face. So I looked at my own experience, friends of mine, and then widened the circle to community members and then experts in the field. So I talk about how we get pregnant. That doesn't always happen in the way that we intend. So we go into some infertility and loss and then how we deliver our babies is not always the plan that we're planning on it being. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, and then into feeding issues, which can be anything from difficulties with breastfeeding or choosing to bottle feed into picky toddlers. We've all been there <laughs> and know what that feels like. Sleep, which is just, I miss it. <laughs> Even though I'm big pro sleep trainer, I still would. Yeah, still wake up sometimes. And then kind of transitioning from there, go into some of the personal and societal reasons why we might have these issues between reality and expectations. So I talk about social media influence, our own personalities, any sort of type A personality, which I can super relate to where you want to control things and then nothing is in your control or it feels that way. And then finally, because that can feel so heavy of all of these subjects of what do I do now? I talk about ways to reclaim your joy. So you're not stuck feeling like your expectations aren't being met. It just needs a little bit of reframing. And we can do that, in my opinion, by finding a cohort of women that support us and we feel connected to. For me, finding faith was a really huge help. I know that's not the case for everybody. I know my book has Jesus in the title, but it's not like a super in-your-face Christian book. So it's accessible to everyone. And then finding a passion. And for me, that's writing. For some people, it's having a business, doing some art, something that fills your cup outside of just raising these sweet babies that we're gifted with. I love it so much. And your third section is my wheelhouse. Like that's my, that is my jam. And I want to unpack that a little bit, especially with your, your story and how it affected you the societal expectations of perfection, which is something that I speak about a lot because I also felt as if I had to do it all, have it all, and have perfectly behaved children. And when you have an out-of-the-box child, as I do, I cannot control how they may react to certain events or, or things and how their emotions are heightened. And I felt as if I was not working hard enough as a mom to control his behaviors. And I want to speak to that with you. You know, what's your take on why mothers are holding themselves to these, these expectations that are impossible to meet? And did you hold yourself to them as well when your kids were little? Um, for sure. Well, I think it's twofold. I think one, it's society tells us this. I mean, you look at social media and what accounts gain the most traction and it's these perfection 
things with the perfect filters and the six kids in matching outfits that go six, five, four, three, two, one, you know, <laughs> and they all look just the mom's hair is done and nails are done and people love it. They say they want raw and real, but sometimes we really like to dwell in that perfection and feel like that's something we could achieve. I think we trick ourselves and think, even though we know there's a filter and there's probably a photographer and someone just cleaned that counter and there's toys everywhere behind the lens, we see that. And I think it triggers something in us. I think another issue is that I think women forget what it's like to have little kids after they've gone through that phase. And so that's where the comments of, oh, you've got your hands full or just wait, those kind of things. And we internalize that because we're wanting to live up to this standard that's just not achievable. Yes. I have to say that a comment that I heard often and still hear sometimes is enjoy these moments while they last because they won't be there forever. And that piles the guilt on. How Am I supposed to be enjoying a meltdown, which means that toys are being thrown or hurtful words are being spoken or, you know, aggression. Am I supposed to enjoy the, the chaos of, of three little ones and dogs barking? Like, come on now. So if I don't feel that joy, I feel guilty because I've now not risen to that standard yet again of trying to be a perfect mom and just love every minute. It's like, I can't, <laughs> you know, especially when you have a challenging kid. I think people are just lying. <laughs> I, mean, I really don't think I know any single mom who enjoys those tough moments and we all have them. But I do, again, with the personal and societal reasons, think we like to put out there that we do. We enjoy all of it. We're, we're blessed with these perfect kids. Nobody is perfect. No mother is perfect. You're the perfect mother for your children, but not, you know, in every moment we all make mistakes. And I think we're roughly the same age, right? So I'm thinking about our childhoods and how parents never apologize to kids at that point, because they were always just on a pedestal and always right. And how that is shifting. Um, I apologize to my kids a lot because yeah. <laughs> I lose they it a care. lot. Um, and I'm hoping that when they see my failures, that they're able to change the dynamic of motherhood going forward and parenting. I mean, I have one of each, I have a boy and a girl, but to see that, yes, we don't really know what we're doing hundred percent of the time we make mistakes, but we can get up and learn from that. Yeah. We stuck. Yeah. That's a hard, it's a hard place to come to. It's very humbling. And for me, it made me feel very vulnerable yet. It's so important to model that for our kids and, and tell me about, cause I know we mentioned when we were talking a few weeks ago, about your kids and about, you know, you have one kid who is a bit of a perfectionist in my right. I've got that too. And so how did you, speaking of perfectionism, the mothers face it. Well, what about when the kids are feeling that? And how do you reframe your mindset around supporting your child who also wants things to be perfect? I feel like the biggest mirror is held up to me when I work with my son who has perfectionistic tendencies. Um, he's the one who will spend 40 minutes on a drawing. And then if he makes a mistake, rip it up. Um, and I was that kid, so I get it, but I, it is a characteristic that's often praised. We were talking about this before too, that, you know, you're so mature when you're a perfectionist, you're so great. You're such a high achiever when it really can be kind of damaging to your soul. When you tell yourself all the time, it's not good enough. It's not good enough. It's not good enough. And I feel like I was able to face some of my own self-talk of that, this, you're not good enough. You're not good enough. When I saw my son doing it, I was like, well, I know where he got that. (laughs) It's a, 
it's not a great feeling. It's kind of a shameful feeling to realize that I probably model this, this perfectionistic behavior, um, this inability to be flexible. So I've tried to just start talking to him about it. And cause I don't do well either when plans change, when things, which is probably why I struggled so much with postpartum anxiety after my kids were born. But when we're able to sit down and eventually get calm, which, you know, sometimes is a two minute process, sometimes is a whole day process to reel our emotions in. And I can share that I am struggling with having to be flexible. I am struggling with no plan. It makes what it, it unleashes in me when I feel like I can't control the behavior, the situation, the chaos. He's only five, but I feel like it's been a really big connecting point for the two of us. Yeah. And it, it's, you're looking inside yourself as well. And the ability to recognize, well, I think that he got this from me. And I absolutely feel that as well. I used to tell myself as a teenager, I don't know if I was, if I was the kid who would throw something away if it had mistakes on it, although my son does do that. For me, it was like, I have to make everyone happy and I have to be the best at what I choose to do. I have to dip my toes in all the places. Like I, ha I have to do it all. I have to do it all and I can do it all because I'm strong and I'm capable. Okay, but that's great and all when I can. But then when you have children and they knock you down a peg or two, to be able to say, oh, you know what, I, I actually can't do it all. It's not, it's damaging to your inner self. At least it was for me. And I, I totally understand. And that's why we had that great conversation about that, those perfectionistic tendencies. And I think for mothers, they come from a deep place. And especially, I don't know, for girls as well. I, I mean, I think there's a stereotype there, although it's my son who's a bit of a perfectionist, but it's just wanting to be the good girl, so to speak. At least that was me as a child and, and teenager. And it's taken me until my 30s to realize that I, I was good enough before. I, didn't, I don't need to try to please other people. That's such a tough issue. And it's, you, you mentioned postpartum anxiety, which I also uh, have had anxiety now for years and didn't realize it. How did you get yourself through that? That can be so tough when you first have kids. Well, I will say that after my son was born, I don't think I realized that that's what was going on. I was, I think I had some fears from my job of working in the pediatric ICU. I had taken care of kids who were found, you know, dead after SIDS and just horrible, horrible situations. And I just imagined all of those. And I thought that this is just what being a new mother was, was fear of everything because that realization that you cannot protect hundred percent of the time can be just overwhelming but I couldn't sleep and I wanted everything to be perfect. I wrote out a schedule and then when I couldn't stick to it, I would lose it. I read certain books on baby schedules and my baby didn't fit that schedule. So clearly that wasn't that the book wasn't right for me. It was that I wasn't right for my baby and internalized that thought of a good mother should be able to do this. A good mother should be able to have, to have a baby who sleeps all night, who doesn't cry, who doesn't spit up, who always, you know, looks cherubic in their little outfits that match mine when yes, I was, you yes. know, covered in spit up. Yes. But I recognized the issue. Well, really my husband did when I was pregnant with our second child. So my daughter and my son are 18 months apart. So it was very close. Um, not the same as twins. <laughs> Obviously, <No. she> got... <laughs> um, Still hard. I started to have intrusive thoughts, which is something that I didn't know about before, um, about really big fears about something happening to my husband, me being alone with two kids and I couldn't sleep. 
I also had this really bizarre pregnancy complication of itching. And so I, I was sleeping like three or four hours a night. I had a one-year-old and my anxiety was just through the roof. So at that time I started with some pushing from my husband, some very gentle and then not so gentle pushing, <laughs> um, being a counselor who specialized in maternal mood disorders. And she was like, girl, you're just anxious. I mean, this is a lot and it's a big life change, redefining who you are. Um, there's a concept that I talk about in my book called matrescence, which I think is a super interesting topic where they compare um, the first, like the fourth trimester, that time right after your baby's born to adolescence, because there's so many hormonal and role changes, just like there is when you're a teen. Um, and I'd never heard that before. And I was like, that makes so much sense to me. I, I feel like I went through a weird second puberty almost where you just become a new person in a way, but still retain who you are. And well, some of us retain who we are. Some of us, it's easy for that to get lost. And that's part of what I talk about later in the book. Yeah. I love that term. And I had never heard of that. Isn't that cool? I was so, when I stumbled upon that research, I was like, I've got to include this because I think it's so interesting. Yeah. And I never had a, a doctor or, or nurse or anybody say to me, Hey, you just had twins in this case. Don't be surprised, you know, or, or you should expect to feel X, Y, Z. Like you're going to feel this sort of way. The way I internalized it was Every, you should be normal and back to your, your normal self. If you're not though, make sure you alert your doctor because something's wrong. So something's wrong with you is how I internalize that. There's something wrong with me because I rage when my kids, if my dog barks and they wake up from a nap too soon, the world has just ended and I am furious, you know, and, and that perfectionism and all of that, it's just like nobody talks about that. So I feel like the work that you're doing is so important and, and not just for new moms. I mean, I think definitely for new moms, you're speaking their language, but this can go on for some time, you know? Can you speak to that at all? Like it can be longer than just the infant time. Oh, for sure. I think each phase, so, I mean, I have only been a mother for five years. My son just turned five, but each phase I keep expecting, you know, it, parts of it get easier and parts of it get more challenging as you change. Um, the in the beginning, I feel like it's just the newness and the sleep deprivation. And then what I feel like now having two preschoolers is more the control issue. So they are developing this autonomy, this sense of self, this defiance, which I think is a normal part of childhood. I mean, from it is, but I think when you have this idea of how things are going to go and they don't meet those expectations, it can be really difficult as a mother. And you were speaking to rage earlier. And that is something when I started seeing that, I had no idea that that could be a symptom of anxiety. I thought I was just mean now. And that makes me so sad to say, like, am I just a, not a nice person anymore? Do I have no patience, no tolerance? But it's anxiety because everything around you feels out of your control. Yes. No, that's not true. But the, the thoughts in your head just spin and spin and spin. And I especially feel like I could find this less so with the last year with coronavirus, but when we were in public and something would happen. You mentioned that in our conversation, I was going to yeah. ask you, you, I wrote down traumatic parenting about public <laughs> embarrassment. Speak to that a bit. Oh, well, I just, before I had kids, I would see these parents dealing with a melting down toddler or just the typical thing. And I would go, well, my kids will never do that because I will be a better mother. I will set boundaries and I will have rules. We won't have that issue as if you can parent in a way that your kid will never have emotions. And even if you could, would you ever want that? 
long-term, but I mean, there've been for sure, I think we've all been there, but the instances of carrying a kid surfboard style out of target, um, <laughs> or, you know, year ago, a restaurant or the throwing food or just something heinously embarrassing. I, we were at getting ice cream and my two-year-old had just watched a Disney movie that said, shut up in it. And he oh, said cool. it to the guy who was giving him ice cream. He didn't know what it meant. And I, I didn't even know what to do. I was so horrified and that's not the mother I was going to be. My kids wouldn't do things like that, but of course they do. They're kids, they're human. And I'd make mistakes all the time. Why should I not expect it from them? Yeah. And that it is a, an embarrassing feeling. And I, I feel that too. And I think all moms definitely go through that. I love your term surfboard, surfboard style. <laughs> That's hilarious. It's accurate, right? <laughs> yes. It's a perfect way to, to frame it. And so the good mother, you know, when it comes down to it, what I hearing, what I'm hearing you say again and again, and I can really feel this is a good mother should, of course, that's what you were thinking and, and not being able to reach that standard of a good mother caused the anxiety, the rage, the guilt. I also wish someone had told me that rage equaled anxiety. I thought, Oh, I didn't know I was a yeller. I thought I was a nice mom. I guess it took me to having kids to realize I'm actually mean and short-tempered, you know, and had no idea this, this was a part of who I was until really been recently. So I wish someone had said, Hey, that's just anxiety. It's just being masked. And actually, interestingly enough, my, my, my son rages a bit as well. And, and it's anxiety for him too. Anxiety can look many different ways. And it's not just worrying or that mm -hmm. sort of thing. Although intrusive thoughts, same, um, uh, absolutely know what that feels like too, but it's that rage piece. There's so much guilt there. And, and like I had said before, you said in our earlier conversation, you used to think that a good mother forces kids to do all the things to check off the boxes and that stuck with me. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? What do you mean by checking the boxes? Oh, anything from meeting milestones early or at least perfectly on time to having the perfect manners when you're around strangers to just always being pleasant and in a good mood. And these, I realize now, I think, and which has taken time and counseling <laughs> that these were the expectations I set on myself. And so I wanted them to be reflected in my children because I, I think we do this a lot, but we hate to admit it, that we expect our children to be a reflection of us. And that's an unfair thing to put on them. They're different people. They're their own individuals. Other things to check the boxes. You know, you want to have maybe one kid who's artsy, one kid who's an athlete. <laughs> Just yes. this, this whole idea that somehow all of this hard work, the sleep deprivation, this labor of love that you've put into it will be worth it. If you can say, but look what I did yes. <laughs> like a motherhood trophy. When we know that the real trophy of that is those sloppy toddler kisses and those middle of the night chats that can be maybe not in the moment, but when you look back, it's that every day that makes the motherhood. Yeah. I love, I, I really can relate to, you know, fitting them in. I've got, you know, three kids and, and my son is like my husband in some ways, my daughter is like me. There's so much pride in that. And the third kid is a toss up. And <laughs> <laughs> I, I think 
there is so much, like you said, all those, those sleepless nights are all worth it because look at my child who is getting good grades and mm -hmm. plays three sports and two instruments. And they always say, please. And thank you. They're mm -hmm. super polite. They never melt down. And as a child, that was me. I was trying to be that child pretty mm -hmm. doing pretty well at that, <laughs> which was actually a bad thing, I guess, down the road, because it took years to realize I didn't have to do that. I was putting myself in those boxes and, and trying to do that with your children. First of all, like you said, it never works, but especially when you've got a child who does really doesn't fit in the boxes. Like you're trying to smush them in the box. They do not fit. <laughs> they need their own box and it might not be a square. It might be a, a hexagon or something. Like, <laughs> they, they don't fit. And you can fight and fight and fight because it feels like a reflection on you. And the more that they don't fit, the more anxiety it causes, at least for me. But eventually you get to this place or, or I have, and it sounds like you have of inner peace where it's like, okay, so my kid, my kid's box is hexagon shaped. Like, all right, we're going to roll with that. I mean, how, where are you now compared to where you were? I mean, I, Honestly, it's probably certain days. I still feel like I'm back there. And I think a portion, like to use your box metaphor, a thing that's hard for me is to realize that when my kid doesn't fit, they're just showing me that I also don't fit in this box that I was building for myself. And that can be the trigger of shame spirals and embarrassment. Um, when you realize, well, none of us fit, we all just try and pretend. And some kids just are rejecting the idea of pretending. And I think that that's, it can be really beautiful to see, but it can also be, self-reflection is not always easy. <laughs> In fact, often it's really difficult. So, I mean, so I will be perfectly honest. Some days my anxiety is revving and I just struggle with it. And if I step back, I can look at, maybe I didn't sleep well. Maybe there's something else going on that I'm not dealing with. And I hate that I know that this happens, that that comes out in my parenting, trying to recognize you know, it's not my kid's fault. I'm stressed about something they don't know anything about. Um, they're not misbehaving purposefully to torture me on these highly anxious days, but admitting, you know, I'm having a hard day, but that's okay. I think that's a good thing to be able to model for your kids too, because I mean, there's so much of the buck up, don't cry yeah. mentality, especially for our boys that to show them imperfection is one of the greatest gifts you can give your children. Yeah, Absolutely. It's just, it's just so eye-opening. And I feel the same way. I've had so many mothers mention what you just mentioned about my kid is not misbehaving to torture me, <laughs> or they're not, they're not getting up five times a night to torture me. It sometimes feels like that because at least for me, it felt like I had this, this heavy weight on my shoulders, this immense pressure, because if they stayed up all night, well, how was I going to function the next day? I, I had to get myself looking together. And again, I have to have those well-mannered kids who do all the arts and crafts and play the sports and clean their room without being asked. And they're not picky eaters and all the things, right? And, you know, if they skip a nap or if they're up in the middle of the night or if they have a big meltdown, well, how am I supposed to manage my expectation now? You know, and, right. and it just, you're not the first person to say that. I think we're all feeling these patterns whether or not we are raising out of the box kids, or if they happen to stuff themselves neatly into that little square, it doesn't matter. You know, society has made the box. We picked the size, we picked the shape and we said, hey, kids are gonna fit into this. This is the way to do it. And for some reason, mothers, I would say even more than fathers, 
take this on as their personal lifelong goal. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I appreciate your honesty in saying like, not every day is, is a good day. And, and it's not for me either. And counseling and medication has helped me as well. And coming to this place of, of messy and sitting in that messiness of motherhood, whether they are infants, preschool age, elementary, like whatever, it is messy. And I guess my hope would be that the more society starts to understand that I get it now, but I don't want to step outside in public and, and still have people expect that of me because mm -hmm. I can't reach it. Right. And so I just think, I think it's so refreshing to hear another mom speak to all of these perfectionism type thoughts that so many moms have. And I feel like your book is, I love the title and I love the way you've sectioned it off. And I really feel as if it's going to speak to a lot of mothers. So where can people find this book and how can they get their hands on it? So currently I am doing a crowdsourcing campaign for it for my pre-sale. So I'm using the proceeds of that to support postpartum support international so that all women can have access to appropriate maternal health care postpartum, which we know, even though we're talking about it so much more, there's still a huge stigma surrounding it. You spoke to that earlier when you said that you didn't want anyone to know. And <laughs> I feel that way too. But the greatest gift we can give to other women is showing them our vulnerabilities in a safe way. And then also, if you purchase that way, you'll get to be in my author circle, help me choose a cover and things like that. And then in August, September, it'll be available on Amazon and Barnes and Nobles. That is so exciting. Thank you. And this is your first, first book? This is my first book. Yes. Um, it's been an interesting process trying to write with two little kids who weren't in school yeah. a lot of the year, um, but we made it work after bedtime and it feels really good to be able to say, I said, somebody asked me what I did yesterday, actually. And I was like, well, I'm a mom and I'm a writer. And it felt really good to be able to have something else to say I can do that isn't parenting. Another, I hate the phrase, you're just a mom. I hate it because I think it demeans what all we do, but I think we can dwell in that phrase and feel stuck if we don't have something that makes us feel fulfilled. And also tapping into who you were before you had kids and, right. and the skills that you have as a woman, as a person, mm -hmm. separate perhaps from, from motherhood and plus writing a book, which I've always wanted to do. So I'm way jealous. You, you hold it in your hand. It's this thing. And it's like, <laughs> this is my work and these are my words and these are my thoughts. And that's so cool. So oh, cool. Well, you should write a book too. You have a lot I, of wisdom and I thank you. It. <laughs> thank you. I, I would love to someday. I, I don't know how you did it with little ones. I can't even begin to imagine the process. I mean, the first draft perhaps, but all the editing and it's like, oh man, maybe some, someday I'd love to pick your brain about how your actual writing process. Of course, there were some days where I was just inspired by the chaos of that day and turned on my video or audio recorder on my phone and would be like, here's what's happening right now. And eventually that would weave into a chapter. That's a great idea. Being able to speak it. Mm -hmm. It felt those chapters feel the most real because they in fact are my words in the moment, what really was happening. And so wow. someone told me about that idea and I was like, I'm going to do it. <laughs> that is such a good idea. And do you have, what are your future plans down the road? Like, what do you picture for yourself? I mean, you could be a spokesperson here for <laughs> knocking down those perfectionism standards. I would love that. I really would love to create a safe place for mothers to communicate about these issues. I know that there are resources out there, but I still feel like they're harder to tap into for a lot of us, whether that's society's barriers or the ones we put up 
ourselves. I'd love to be able to speak to this. I'd probably love to write more books. I've really enjoyed it. Maybe different phases. I don't know. Maybe I'll write a fiction book too, just for fun. Yeah. But I really enjoyed having this be my thing, I guess. That's yeah. special to me. And just setting a goal and doing it is a hard thing to do in motherhood outside of I'm going to pack the diaper bag and get out of my house today, which sometimes just, feels harder than a book. Yes. Oh my God, it is. I just need to go to Target. But then you got to get the cart and then you got to get the kids out of the car seat. And then someone dropped a shoe and oh boy. Then go to the bathroom. And yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh Yes. Yeah, so I have to ask, how do your friends and family, like, is it weird and slightly odd to hand them this book and say, you know, like here, here are my true inner thoughts. Like, how do you handle that with people, you know? Um, yeah, there are points of it. Well, um, where I read back and I'm like picturing a particular person I know reading it and being like, I wonder how they're going to take that <laughs> part, but I'm setting myself up for being a platform of honesty and motherhood. And now, every personal thought I've ever had is not in this book because I have to be self-protective in a way of that and oversharing. I mean, there's a lot of oversharing, but <laughs> I'm not going to overshare something that I'm not comfortable with being out there. I am interested to see certain people's responses to some things. I have to understand that I do have some fairly strong opinions on certain parenting situations and not everyone will agree with me. And that taps into the whole, I'm a good mom, I'm a good girl concept of can I handle when they disagree? I hope so. I think it'll be interesting to see how it feels to have someone say, no, you're wrong about that. When I'm really, if I'm going to be completely honest with you, the scariest thing that I'm thinking about is someone saying that I'm not a good mother because I feel a certain way because we know that that's not true on some level, but we also tell ourselves that all the time. So yeah, if somebody says that I'm going to have to put on a much thicker skin than I currently have, but to get the truth out there is worth it. Oh, if someone says that, then they should not be in your inner circle. <laughs> not my inner circle. I'm just picturing people. Yeah. I don't know as well reading it. And we all know that we have some very strong beliefs in parenting. And I think a lot of that comes from wanting to believe that the choices we make are the right ones. Yeah. So. Yeah. But that's exactly where the pressure comes from. Right. That's it. Right. right. And that's what we're speaking. It's so um, I don't know, cyclical or yeah, you know, you're, you're, cyclical. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You wrote a book about those perfectionism. Yeah. Standards. And to have someone say to you, well, you're not a good mother based on what I read. And that's exactly the point. Like read the book again. <laughs> did you read my words? <laughs> you missed the point. Actually, you fed the point. You were proving the point. And the more that we do that, you know, the more we the people um, offer those unsolicited opinions that nobody wants to hear. And, and the more that we feel that pressure then we can't stop this cycle. You know, we have got to put an end to it and you are doing that by speaking out about it, which, which is so valuable. And I, and I definitely would, would feel that as well. And I know how uncomfortable it is to put these words out a couple of months ago, before I was doing any of this stuff, I just was thinking all these thoughts. I just kept it in my head. And now all of a sudden I've decided to let it out and I have an easier time letting it out to people. I don't know than people I do it's like, guess what? I know you've known me for 36 years and like, I seemed this way, but now I'm kind of this way. And I don't know what you're going to think about that. And that can be, it can be a little daunting, a little nerve wracking. I'm sure I can relate to that a lot, but it also can be really freeing. And I'm really glad for you that you feel the ability to be authentic because you're serving women in a way that is so valuable. Thank you. 
Thank you. So are you. So are you. So are you. And that's why I have you here. And, and, you know, somebody I was speaking to a mother this morning and she said, as I said, Hey, would you like to be on my show? I would love to have you. She said, well, I'm, I'm just a mom. There came that phrase. I'm just a mom. And I said, Oh no, 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 no. That's exactly the point. It is amazing that we are all speaking about the same thing. We are all speaking about the same thing. And so there's, you don't have to um, have eight children and you don't have to have all the boxes checked off in order to speak about mother's issues on a podcast. In fact, I'd rather you didn't. Mm -hmm. It's messy and it's messy for me. It's messy for you. I love the way that you are bringing it to people in book form. Again, I'm just so jealous. I think that's so cool. And, and that's it. Like we're just, we're just the moms. No, we, we are the moms and we're every mom. And I, I hope that that message is loud and clear to my listeners. And I hope they run to get your book ASAP and join that, get down that pre-sale. So where can they find you? They want to get in touch and chat and thank you for this. Yeah, um, so I'm probably the most active on Instagram right now. And so my Instagram handle is motherhood by Meredith. I also have a Facebook group with the same name. And then my website is motherhoodbymerith.com. Are you blogging as well as writing? My blog has been mostly guest posts this year because of writing my book. I've done a few posts, but I do also take guest submissions. And that's been fun to see other people's takes on issues as well. Um, And from that, I've gained some interviewees for my book from hearing different people's opinions. Because sure, we all have our own experience, but it's really nice to talk to someone who had a completely different one as well. um, So that we can feel more rounded in our experience of motherhood. Also, the anxiety situation had previously made me kind of judgy, I feel like I'll say. And dropping that and saying, I don't have to be perfect. Neither do you. It's been so healthy, both for me. And I think the people in my life and just the motherhood community as a whole is when we feel insecure, we want to push other people out too and say, you're doing it wrong. Cause I'm doing it right. And instead we can all do this together. Yes. And bring people. Yes. That's exactly, you found the answer to how to create, excuse my crying child. The answer to how to create a, the community it's, you said it, the more insecure we feel, the more we may judge others. And so we must all be feeling the same way. We're all in the same boat. So cool that you brought all this to the forefront. And and I really appreciate you being here and sharing this. And I wish you the best of success with your book. And I cannot wait to get my hands on it. And um, yeah, come back when you write your next book. (laughs) I will. Thank you so much for having me today. This was such a fun chat and to get to dive into these topics that I know are swirling in all of our heads, but some of us don't want to speak to. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Meredith, so much. Thanks for listening today. If you would like to talk with me personally, where we can chat and just get to know each other like old friends, I would love to do a discovery call with you. Go to my website on theharddays.com and click on schedule a call. And if you're not already subscribed to this podcast, please do so so that you get the latest when they roll out. Not to mention, please leave a review if you feel like this episode spoke to you. That way, the podcast will be shown to more mothers. And finally, you can find me on Instagram at On the Hard Days with dots in between each word, or in my free Facebook community, On the Hard Days Podcast and Community. If you are feeling isolated in your parenting journey, I encourage you to reach out 
through any of these means so that I can connect you with your people and support you in whatever way you need.